Welcome to Brit David Podcast and our Sunday night Bible series as Pastor Tim brings us a message entitled Bloody Hands from Ezekiel chapter 33 verses 1 through 11. On today's podcast, Pastor Tim opens up with a personal and painful story of failure and unkept promises. This story echoes in his heart and compels him to do better. Likely, his story will resonate with many of you. May we all be more faithful witnesses for the Lord Jesus. Here's Pastor Tim. Thank you, Kathy. That's so pretty. When I was a student at the University of Georgia, <clears throat> I became a member of Prince Avenue Baptist Church, where Bill Ricketts was the pastor. He was so helpful to me, both in my Christian life and even really today of what it means to be a pastor. He had a profound impact upon me. And so did the people that were there. I went, uh, I went on church visitation every Tuesday night. I miss church visitation. I think our churches miss church visitation. They might not miss going, but we sure do miss the impact. Anyway, went on church visitation every Tuesday and learned how to share my faith. I didn't know how to do that. And uh, we began simply to go as a group of students <clears throat> to apartment complexes, to different parties, and just, just with the sole purpose of trying to share our faith. There was a man that I met at church visitation who was at least 50 years my senior, who was a Gideon, and when he heard that we were a small group of students trying to share our faith with others, he began to supply us with Gideon Bibles <clears throat> that we could give away little New Testaments. One day, though, when I went to his car to get another box of Bibles, he said, I also want to give you this. And he handed me this little booklet, and I still remember it had sort of a celery green color uh, cover to it, and, and these hands that reached out that were just dripping with blood. It's a little booklet that was written by Roy Fish, who is one of Southern Baptist's greatest evangelism teachers um, of all time. And anyway, this, that booklet struck me, of course, because of the way that it looked. It was called Blood on Our Hands, and it was based on a sermon that Roy Fish had preached with that same message, which was an urgent call to evangelism. And it's based out of our passage where we are tonight in Ezekiel chapter 33. First time I read that little booklet, First time I read this passage, one word came to my mind, and the word was a person's name. It was the name Melvin. I got saved right before my senior year of high school, and God really did a work on me. And uh, I had determined that I needed to share my faith, and I just didn't know how. And certainly didn't want to ask anybody for help, you know. Some things never change. And uh, so I just didn't do it, you know. But I made a list of ten guys that I kind of hung out with that I believe probably to be lost. 
And I determined that during that senior year, I would share my faith with them. Whatever it took, I was going to do that. And so I had from September until June to accomplish my goal. By the time June the 11th, 1984 rolled around and I walked across the stage, I had shared my faith with a whopping zero number of people. maybe, Maybe it was embarrassment. Maybe it was fear. Maybe it was distraction. Maybe it was callousness. But for whatever reason... I just could not bring myself to ask a person about their walk with Christ. During the week after graduation, Melvin was in a car accident and died. The truth of the matter is is that I I don't know the condition of Melvin's heart. I mean, I don't. I, I don't know the condition of his heart any more than I know the condition of anybody else's. But I do know this, Melvin talked like I talked, and Melvin acted like I acted, all before I became a Christian. And the only real difference, I think, between Melvin and I was, I went to church and he didn't. So it makes me think that that he left this world lost. And I say that I don't know his spiritual condition, and the reason I don't know is because I never asked him. I don't know if he'd ever received the Lord at all, maybe even at the end, because I just could not bring myself to ask him those questions. That has eaten away at me my entire life. I remember the Christmas after that event, I was, I was back in Columbus, and I was at Peachtree Mall, and uh, WTVM was out there, and they were doing a uh, sort of a man on the street, different interviews, what are your New Year's resolutions? And so I said, I want to share my faith this year with somebody every day. I, I didn't want to be... Ezekiel 33. And so when I think about Melvin, I may not have names to go with others, but there are plenty of others. I hadn't kept that resolution. I haven't kept those promises worth a flip. I don't know if I would have ever turn the heart of any person. I don't know if anybody that I miss talking to would have ever been saved in the first place. But I never gave them a chance. That's the tragedy of Ezekiel 33. I want to hear and heed the warning that's in this chapter. I want you to hear and to heed the warning of Ezekiel chapter 33. So let's go through these opening verses together. And let me give you these three truths as we break this passage down. Number one, 
the soldierly watchman is our comparison. The soldierly watchman is our comparison. So God provides Ezekiel with an illustration that he and his hearers will immediately recognize and understand. I think you will too. You don't have to be a soldier to understand what God's saying in these verses. The most civilian of persons understands what a military sentry is and what his job is. Let's look at these first few verses together. Ezekiel chapter 33, beginning in verse number 1. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, here's what God's word is. That's what God's word, God's message to the people of Israel is. When I bring the sword upon a land, and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman, When he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But he who takes warning will save his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. The watchman is a guard posted on a high wall, maybe posted in a tower, somewhere where he can overlook the area that leads up to the the wall that surrounds the city or surrounds the town. If he spots anyone or anything that brings danger to the community and under which is his cover and his guard, His job is to warn them. His title, the watchman, comes from a word that means one who looks out, one who spies. The task of that watchman is to do exactly that, to look out, to spy, to keep watch, and to warn people of those impending threats. His tool is the shofar, the horn that's made from, or the trumpet that's made from a ram's horn. How he blows that trumpet sounds a different kind of warning to the people that are inside. Some sounds will bring just the guards to rally to his point. Some will warn the people to get ready for an invasion. Should he use anything to post a warning or to signal danger to the city, then he's done the one job that he's been given to get to, to, to do to complete. Blow that shofar, 
sound the alarm, and save the lives of countless people. The illustration that God uses for Ezekiel and for his people set up for us three potential scenarios. Let me give them to you. First is, with a warning, if the people are given a warning, then the people can prepare. With a warning, the people can prepare. They can prepare for battle, they can prepare for threat, whatever it might be. In that first scenario, it is... It's textbook, you know? It's exactly the way that it's designed to be. <clears throat> the threat is coming, the threat is seen, the watchman blows the trumpet, he warns the people, they prepare themselves, and they fight off the attack. <laughs> it's exactly how it's designed to be. If you remember that old show, The A-Team, you'd hear Hannibal saying, I love it when a plan comes together. It's exactly how it's supposed to be. The watchman becomes the hero in that first scenario. But there's a second. Even with a warning, the people are prey. Even with a warning, the people are prey. See, the second scenario is a tragedy. It is tragic. The danger comes, just like in the first scenario. <clears throat> the watchman sees it, just like in the first scenario. The watchman blows the trumpet, just like in the first scenario. But this time the people don't listen. It's background noise to them. Somebody somewhere is wishing that that guy would stop blowing that trumpet. They can't hear themselves think. <clears throat> they may come up with any and every kind of excuse. They're not paying attention to the warning that's given to them. Verse number 4 says that, that, that in this warning, the sword will come and take them away. It's bizarre. The way the people are acting. It the whole tragic scene could have been avoided. If they would just listen, if they would just heed the warning, the, the watchman can beg all that he wants to. But it's up to the people to get ready for the danger that's coming. Now, before you think too harshly of them, how many times have you been annoyed, not alarmed, not awakened, not alerted, but annoyed when that car alarm at the shopping center goes off and off and off and off, even in your own neighborhood. We just wanted to stop. I remember one night, we were asleep, dead middle of the night, and I, I am a heavy sleeper. There's not a whole lot that wakes me up. But at some point, I heard ringing in my ears, and it was our fire alarm. So <clears throat> rather than go and get the extinguisher, rather than go and see if I could find out where this potential fire is or where the smoke is coming from or those things, I just ripped the sound alarm off the ceiling <laughs> and went right back to bed. It would have burned up. It would have all been because I did not hear nor heed the warning that was going off. There's a third scenario, though. 
without a warning? I mean, those two, it's the, the same things are happening. The danger comes, the danger is spotted, the, sound, the alarm is sounded. And this third and final tragic scenario, the danger's coming. Maybe, maybe the danger gets spotted, maybe it doesn't. It doesn't really say that necessarily. But the end result is, is that the alarm does not get sounded. And without a warning, the people will perish. Without a warning, the people will perish. I said that it's tragic, but in reality, it's just negligent. He's not doing his duty. As the watchman, he's, he's derelict in the job that he's been given. And basically, he has one job. Just one. This is it. Everything is about him warning the people when danger comes. Notice what it says in verse number 6. Verse number 6 sounds just a little bit different than verse number 4. In verse number 4, the sword comes in and takes them away. In verse number 6, the sword comes in and they might take any one of them away. In other words, the watchman does not get to say, you know, either, look, I saved all these people, or all these people, they just didn't listen. When it comes down to his responsibility, just one, any one of them gets taken away. It is the fault of the negligent watchman. The watchman could have been a hero. The watchman is a zero. He has potential to save everyone. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. And yet he just simply does not do the job. Now that's our comparison. That's the illustration that God gives to Ezekiel to give to his people. One that is understandable and easy. So now comes him pointing to Israel and saying, this is you. This is why this, is why this story matters. So number two, the spiritual watchman is our commission. That is our commission. You know, this metaphor of using the the watchman, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I, I, I read through that, and even I don't need an explanation. I understand what he's saying. And, and I can take the story that he gives, and I can make application myself and understand, hey, I'm supposed to be a watchman. I cannot fail in that one job that's given to me. I don't need the explanation, but God provides for it anyway. Let's pick up where we left off. Look, if you will, in verse number 7. So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die. 
and you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Son of man, I have made you a watchman over the house of Israel, over the house of Columbus, over the house of our world. When God says to Ezekiel, I have made you a watchman, is he enlisting him for military service? No. He's not trying to, trying to literally take Ezekiel and put him up in a tower. Instead, it's the job. The military watchman safeguards the lives of people. The prophetic watchman safeguards the souls of people. This is not new. That same term, watchman, is used over 30 times in the Old Testament. And before you come to a point of saying, well, then that's the Old Testament. <laughs> there are so many parallels to the New Testament. I mean, the Great Commission itself is in parallel to this. The Great Commission is the mandate of the church. The Great Commission is the marching orders for every individual Christian. The, the wicked that he mentions there in verse number 7. The wicked are the lost. And he mentions them five times in those three verses that we just read. It were really just two verses in verses 8 and 9. He mentions them. That becomes the focus. Here is the wicked. Here are those outside of Christ. And they are in danger. We see it. We see the danger. We know the danger. We've been in church long enough to know what the danger is. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. But there shall by no means enter it. So might heaven, so might New Jerusalem. Shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those whose, are, whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Sin is not getting into heaven. We understand that. And we understand that a person in their sin, if they die, they die, as, as God says to Ezekiel, they die in their iniquity. They die bearing their iniquity. We, we talk about Christ bearing our sin penalty for us. For every other person, they bear their own sin penalty. And whereas it can be taken care of in one moment on the cross, they will pay their penalty for all of eternity. We understand the danger. And we also understand that we have to sound the alarm. The Bible says, therefore, you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. Right there in verse number 7. We've heard it, haven't we? 
So the Bible says, Him we preach. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man. We hear the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We hear Paul saying, we are ambassadors for Christ. And I love this, as though God himself were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. That's what we're to say. That's what we are to do. That is our mission, our commission. As watchmen, as spiritual watchmen. Our assignment is not optional. He is our commander-in-chief. We are his soldiers, so to speak. And he's given us a command. He's given us an imperative, an order, a great commission. Join us tomorrow as Pastor Tim continues his message from Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 1 through 11. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BritDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.